Welcome to Dig in the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight, founding teacher of Space to Meditate, a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and trainer. Well, hello, John. Great to see you again, as always. Good to see you, Doug. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, at least indeed. we're recording this right after the New Year. But, uh, yep. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's kind of a dreary day here, but it's been a dreary week so far. So, uh, but good to see you. And, um, yeah, I thought, you know, it's since it's the New Year, a lot of people tend to make resolutions. Uh, I know in my teaching life that, a lot of people sign up for classes because they think, okay, this is the year I'm going to start meditating, you know. And I thought it might be useful today to just talk about ways of building a daily habit, you know, and what can support that in terms of formal practice. And then we can talk about some other as aspects of practice as well. But I'm I'm curious when you started sort of what, you know, what your challenges were and how you, how you faced those challenges just in terms of dealing, uh, creating a daily practice. I, w I would re relate it to like the gym, going to the gym, and how uh, after the new year, it seems that there's a lot of new people in the gym and <laughs> for like, you know, a couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and then all of a sudden it goes back to normal. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, strangely, I don't know what it is about me, but I don't have too much of a problem with a with sort of once I decide that something is good for me, I don't have a problem making it part of, I mean, if I have time for it, of course, uh, a daily a daily practice. And so once I started, I just kept doing it. You know, it what what the hardest part is getting it started. I'll say that is finding that 30 minutes in your day uh that you're willing to put into something like meditation, let's say. I mean, if we're talking about formal practice. But once you find that hole, that little place where you don't have to be doing anything else and you can reliably you know, uh, spend time just doing meditation or just doing exercises, as it, as it were. I, I mean, I also think of exercise as kind of similar. Then, you know, it just things fall into place. Uh, at least for me, they have. And um, maybe I'm lucky about that. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I know that some people do have a problem with it. And if you, I, mean, I think it does help to find a time, in the sense of uh, if you don't sort of decide, okay, I'm going to do this right after let's say, let's say, right after I get up in the morning or right before I go to bed at night, if you don't have an actual time that's sort of like, that's when I'm going to be doing this, it, it does fall through the cracks. And I know that there are days when I sort of, you know, I, I don't, I'm not able to, let's say, you know, because if something else comes up, I'm not able to uh, do meditation at the time of day that I normally would, then it does become a problem because I can't, you know, I just, I don't remember, you know, it's just, it falls away and, and, you know, you're, you're in bed and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I forgot to do meditation. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I, I think that uh, a couple, a couple of things come to mind as you were talking. One is, you know, when, when people take an MBSR class, a mindfulness-based stress reduction class, we say that there is 45 minutes of formal practice a day. And for many people, 45 minutes is a big chunk of time, right? And, and, and I, I try to put it in terms of not making time, not finding time, but giving yourself the time, right? Mm. So it's actually a, a gift to yourself to take this time. Now, 
I also completely, and, and in, in that particular class, it's very interesting. You know, I've had a number of, I've sat in on a number of conversations with John Kabat-Zinn where people ask, why is it 45 minutes seems like an awful lot? Isn't that too much for people? And John's response to that is, well, you know, if you ask people to, to make that commitment, you're, you're giving people the, the, the credit for the fact that they can do it. But also you ask a lot of people and they'll give you a lot of, if, if you ask a little, they'll give you a little. So, and yet, you know, in reality, I know people have a really, they really struggle with that, especially at the beginning and, you know, probably end up doing less and, you know, but we don't, you don't feel guilty about doing less. Right. And, and guilt is a complete uh, non-starter. You know, you, you can't let yourself feel guilty because you miss a day of practice, but I think you're right in terms of giving yourself a specific time of day and, and, and that is your time. That is the time when you meditate. I think developing a routine is helpful around that. If you, if you, for whatever reason, miss it or you take Sunday off, you know, that's fine. You know, it's not, you know, there's no, nobody's, nobody's watching. (laughs) So it's like, and, and it's not like you have a gun to your head to do anything, but you know, there's a choice that we make to say, this is going to be part of my life. And it can certainly become like brushing one's teeth. You know, that it's just when you don't do it, you know, you haven't done it. Right. Mm-hmm. I was, I was going to say that I was thinking of the, the Zen, that Zen sort of, I, I think I heard it in a Zen context of the guy who says, uh, you know, all, everyone should meditate for half an hour a day. And somebody says, I just don't have time for half an hour a day. And then he says, well, then you should meditate for an hour a day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great response. So, um, <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, there's some, I mean, the, the reason we laugh at it is that there's some truth to that, is yeah. that, you know, if you find that you don't have time for half an hour a day, maybe you, the, the, the issue is not the time in your day, the issue is how you are thinking about the time in your day, right? and that if you were able to calm down through an hour of meditation, maybe you would understand that better, you know, it's, it's subtle, you know, in that way. Yeah, indeed. And, and you know, we think we don't have time, but we don't actually look at the way we spend our time. Uh, exactly. You know, and, exactly. or dare I say, waste our time. Um, yeah, I mean, and of know, course, we're speaking from a, something of a position of privilege here. Uh, I mean, of course, sure. there are people who have like yeah. three or four jobs and, and, and literally don't have time. And that's a different issue. And I think we have to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, actually. To that. Yeah, and sure. we'll, we'll, we'll come to that because I think there are other ways of bringing practice into our lives. Including formal meditation practice that you know, don't necessarily require a thirty-minute commitment or a forty-minute commitment or whatever. Um, the other thing is not only having a specific time, but <clears throat> also a specific place in, mm, in wherever yeah. you live. You know, to sort of create a space. That space reminds you that oh, this is yeah, this is part of my life. You know, so that uh, I know Joseph Goldstein once. In encouraging people to practice that at the very least, touch your cushion every day, <laughs> you know, which again, it's just a reminder that this is part of my life. Um, mm-hmm. And I want it to be part of my life. And it's an important part of my life. That's helpful. And I know, you know, again, speaking of, yeah, privilege is absolutely, <laughs> you know, we are lucky uh, in that we are, you know, very fortunate that we have the spaciousness in our days to to incorporate it. But I remember, you know, early on in, in 
my relationship. We lived in a very large apartment because we both had been living apart and spending a lot of money on rent uh, <laughs> in New York, as one does, living apart. And so we moved into a place and it was a very large place because we weren't sure we wanted to live together. So we wanted to have enough <laughs> space. And we had a room there as we do now. We have a space in our in our home, you know, which is our meditation space. But back then we would say, the space is meditating at 730, <laughs> you know, whether you are there or not. And so it was just a reminder of that, you know. So that, those are, you know, some basic things. And, and I think it's also being reasonable and setting your expectation realistically. So, yeah, it may not be 30 minutes. Maybe you'll be able to do 15, mm-hmm. you know, and then expanding from there or 10 and then expanding mm-hmm. from there. And so not to set a goal that is, is going to, that you're not going to hit and therefore be frustrated. Uh, Anything is better than nothing kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, consistency is better, is more important than duration. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, so mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm really aiming at. Mm-hmm. You know, and then of course, there are now so many apps that can be very helpful in supporting a practice. And some people also talk about, you know, taking a couple of minutes off, even just during your work day. Yeah. You know, at your desk yep. while you're working, if you don't have time in the morning, if, you know, if you're swamped with obligations, you know, you should have 30 seconds a minute, you know, just to close your eyes and do some breathing exercises uh, with an app or without an app. There are apps that will do that for you that will sure. you know, keep keep track of the time so that you yeah. know, it'll ring a bell when a minute is up or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that can even be, you know, really helpful. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's cumulative. <laughs> so you yeah. do a minute, a minute, an hour or two minutes, an hour, and, and it adds up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have what's what we call a three-minute breathing space, which you could do in one minute, which is simply to, uh, you know, stop, check in with your mind, check in with your body, rest the attention on the breath, you know, and then move on with your day. So, those moments of stopping throughout the day can be really, really impactful. Yeah, so, so there are apps, there are I mean, the apps are really helpful if, if if you choose to have guidance or most apps also just have a timer, right. um, which is helpful. And they're free sometimes, so, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to pay anything for them. Yeah, and the apps, if you have a timer, sometimes it's helpful to have intervals so that you, you know, are reminded, you know, because as, as we're sitting, the mind is going to wander off and the intervals just remind you to come back. Um, so, those are really supportive, I've found. And yeah, just when I just say one one of them is called uh, Insight Timer that in case yeah. people want to yeah. know of some names. I mean, I there mean, are famous ones as well that you have to pay for well, that's, and so on. But yeah, that's Insight Timer was one of the first actually, and it's yeah. it, the problem. <clears throat> not a problem, but I mean the challenge with Insight Timer is that it's become so huge. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like how many different meditations there are, and there you're going to be lost. You might be lost, you know, unless there's a teacher there. I mean, I have a couple of things, but. I, I I haven't found it to be for me. I use their timer. Let's put it that I way. I use their timer too. Yeah. That's yeah, um, exactly. Uh, but and and there's some great teachers on there as well. <clears throat> if you can kind of sort through all the all of it, ten percent happier as guided guided practice. Headspace is a mm-hmm. another famous one or well known one. <laughs> uh, Upadi and I were in London once and and. Uh, walking through one of the gardens of London and, and we would see people like with headphones on and they would be sort of standing in front of a plant and 
<laughs> we just imagined that they were, you know, listening to Headspace, which is a British-based app. And we had this brilliant idea, which was to come up with an app called Spacehead. And, you know, <laughs> people would just listen to it and space out. But, <laughs> but I had also a comment with someone, you know, so as you know, we have a daily meditation offering in person, uh, in live, um, that, that, that actually a few of our podcast listeners have come to. Um, it's over <clears throat> Zoom, isn't it? Over Zoom, yeah. But there was a, one of the regular participants today who, who, uh, spoke spoke up was <clears throat> saying it was an older woman saying that um, you know she's always had ADHD attention deficit disorder and at some point a number of weeks ago I must have said something to the impact you know I was, oh I was talking about a Zen the Zen practice of just sitting uh, shikantaza right and where you just sit you don't try to do anything you just sit and see what happens. And she said she found that incredibly helpful, you know, because whenever she like tried to be with the breath or tried to just be with the body sitting, the physical sensation of the body sitting, she would just, you know, the ADHD would kind of take over and her mind would take off. And so now just sitting, you know, the mind is doing what the mind does, but she's able to observe the mind doing what the mind does and not get engaged with it, you know, and that's really what practice is to some degree. However you are practicing, remember the options you have, right? So there, there, were, there are times, you know, when somebody will say, I've been practicing for years and I still can't keep my awareness on the breath. And I'll say, well, so stop trying. <laughs> you know, just try something else, you know, or, or just open the awareness or just sit, you know, so that you're not it's a gentle practice. Nothing is forced. It's not unlike, say, uh, working out in the gym, you know, where there needs, you know, there's no pain, no gain, right? I, I would say that when we're talking about cultivating a daily practice, it's not about pain. <laughs> it's not about forcing anything. It's, you know, it's just simply giving yourself the time to observe what's happening in in the moments that you're sitting without needing to change anything and yes of course you know if if you uh focus the attention on the breath or on the sensations of the body sitting here that's going to you know develop cultivate a certain stability of mind which is important and some days you'll be able to do that in 20 30 minutes some days you won't you know, but the days that you're not, that it's not, that's not happening. Something is happening and we're just observing and being with whatever is happening. <laughs> I was reading a short poem by Jane Hirschfield, who's a Zen practitioner and well-known poet, very well-known poet. Uh, the, the poem was talking about this routine she has of splashing cold water on her face as a way of kind of I guess waking her up or whatever. And, but she really said it's a way of like learning to want the unwanted. <laughs> mm, interesting. <laughs> you know, so, and so we sit, you know, and something will arise that's not wanted, but we kind of stay with it and see what changes. I, I, another trap that people fall into, I don't know about you, is, you know, f oh, yesterday I had just this fantastic meditation and I want to have that again. 
Mm. Right. And then, you know, they don't have it again and they get frustrated. And I don't know right. what a fantastic meditation actually is. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I, I guess I would say I, I think I know what a fantastic meditation is, but they happen so rarely what in is a certain it? sense. What would it be? Oh, you know, wonderful feeling, sort of floating on air kind of thing, or, you know, just mm -hmm. this kind of sense of happiness that, or pleasure that sort of arises out of nowhere, sort of a, almost a jhana kind of thing. I mean, but those are very rare. And mm. if you're looking for that, uh, you're not, you're, you're not going to persist with the practice because it's just not the sort of thing that you can expect, at least for me. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe there's some people who are very lucky and can, but... I wouldn't uh, think that that's normal. Yeah, I think there, there, are, there are some people that can quickly fall into, a, a, let's call it a state of bliss, <laughs> a state of right. ease. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is that yeah, my understanding, at least from talking to people who, uh, if we're talking about jhana now, which is sort of one description of such a state, people who are proficient in jhana say that it's really necessary to do an enormous amount <laughs> of meditation regularly, unless you just happen to be... Uh, a lucky one in a million, but for most people, you have to be. Uh, I think what is it, Chris oh, Peacock? Um, John Peacock. Um, John. Yeah, John Peacock saying mm -hmm. that he recommends two hours of meditation a day at least, sort of before you get serious about it, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, and I can see that, you know, probably that will help you get these, you know, blissful states that some people really like. But yeah, yeah if you're looking for that out of meditation, you're probably not going to be. <laughs> continuing with it i think maybe an easeful state so so one can practice finding ease regardless of what is arising so it's mm -hmm. it's kind of just going back to the, the that hirschfield poem you know learning to want the unwanted so whatever is arising mm -hmm. it's not that you really want it but you're you're able to be with it in a way right. that's not pushing against it and and so you know we find ease even when some strong resistance is arising mm -hmm. and and that can certainly happen within a 15 or 20 or 30 minute practice it, and and <clears throat> if we find ourselves struggling with that then you know we just are present with the struggling so it's it's um in time you know we we sort of relax around that it's possible to relax around that and find ease within that but yeah, if you if you're if you think that it's going to be the same every day, it's not going to be the same in every day, and it's kind of like opening up. What's what's going to happen now? Right. What's going to happen? And now? this is another way that I think yeah. of it as similar to exercise for me, at mm -hmm. least, is this um, learning to sort of be with what is not particularly wanted. Yeah. Um, because exercise can be painful at times i mean not in a, it should it shouldn't be really painful of course right. but you know it, it's it's difficult let's put it that way and it's not pleasant on you know it's not the sort of thing where you you go into you start your exercise routine expecting to have a pleasant time <laughs> the pleasantness happens really afterwards in right. a certain sense with exercise and with meditation uh, similar i mean the sense mm -hmm. that you know if you you know if if i meditate regularly i i think my days are better uh, in a in a in a general way, and if I have the the luck, uh, you know, to be able to do a lot of meditation in a particular day, which doesn't happen very often but can happen, 
I, I notice it. I, mm-hmm. I feel better. I feel calmer. I feel more mm-hmm. at ease. I feel more centered. And you can feel refreshed after a practice. Refreshed. Yeah. Now, I mean, of course, again, you can't, you know, you can't expect that. Uh, sometimes you don't feel that way, but, uh, right. you know, in general, I think you do. Um, I mean, I, you know, the reason, one of the reasons I, I mean, it's, I mean, again, like exercise, one of the reasons I continue doing meditation regularly is because I find benefit in it. Uh, if I didn't find benefit in it, I mean, and that's, you know, I mean, we, you know, I mean, this is, this is where the sort of the Zen thing about, you know, we're not going for any goal is, is a, it's a very good uh, skillful means of approaching meditation because if you go into it expecting a certain end, you're often going to be disappointed. On the other hand, there's a flip side to that. There's a, you know, the other side of the same coin, which is that, you know, really it's true. I mean, if you, at least for me, if I didn't feel that it was beneficial, then why would I keep doing it? I mean, honestly, because it is, it is a, you know, it it is, it is a time sink. So, yeah, it is interesting though, because just going back to Headspace, a, a number of years ago, they had obviously got a big infusion of capital and they started promoting it on the subways in New York. Mm. And, and their promotional scheme was like, you know, having a picture of somebody who's a, a rock climber or somebody who's a dancer or somebody who's, you know, whatever they're doing. It's like, oh, I, I'm, I, I do Headspace because it makes me a better ex, you know, mm-hmm. and mm, okay. <laughs> How about just a better person? You know, mm. it's, it's like you know. Um, I mean, if you're if you're if you're going at this with the idea that it's going to increase a skill at something, it might, it might. But you know, my recommendation is to let just let go of that kind of goal and see what happens. Right. Um, you know, for me, that that tended to work because I remember in college when I was doing transcendental meditation. I kept expecting it to, you know, make me a better musician or make, you know, and it, and it, it didn't really help <laughs> for me. Right. You know. Right. And, you know, of course, this is part of these kind of little ironies or little paradoxes is that uh, while it may not make you a better musician or better businessman or whatever the hell it is, you know, what it does to an extent is to, is to give you the space to sort of look into your becoming a musician or you becoming a whatever it is and deciding, you know, or not necessarily deciding because you're not really thinking about it or you shouldn't be or whatever. I mean, you know, it's not supposed to be a time you're thinking, but in any event, these things just happen over time that you begin to understand where you are in a better place. You yeah. know, I mean, it's 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 useful in a global sense in sort of helping things. But if you want to say, does it make you a better ex? Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, right. Maybe it takes time away from your practice. And yeah, I mean, you know, so it, you know, better. It's like, well, it might, but I wouldn't do it for that. You know, right. It makes you more aware of the little th- sort of things in your life that aren't quite, you know, that are that are painful or that aren't quite right, and makes you more aware of them because they come up. They come up in your, at least for me. Mm-hmm. come up in the meditation regularly, you become more aware of them in a way that you might not if you hadn't set that time aside. So, you become more aware of your own, my, I, I become aware of my own difficulties or foibles or problems in a way that I might not otherwise. Sure. And that's good. I mean, that's yeah. useful. I've talked about this before, but basically what's happening when we're meditating, in a, doing a formal meditation is that we're renouncing certain things first off mm. <clears throat> you know we're closing a few sense doors we're 
renouncing the need to do anything per se. And when we take the time to practice, as you said, what does happen is that those habits of mind that aren't necessarily helpful become clearer. And, you know, we can recognize that there is a, a, a way through those habits that, you know, those, oh, okay, so that's just a habit of mind that I'm seeing more clearly. You know, let me try this or let me come back to my breath and, and, and like step out of that habit. And, you know, what happens if I kind of temporarily let that habit go and sort of replace unhelpful habits with helpful habits? And, and so, yes, I mean, we see more clearly as we were, as we are sitting uh, in practice. Now, the other thing, and just to touch on beyond formal practice, you know, are, are the many informal ways we can practice through the day, which is simply just choosing to pay attention in, in this particular way to exactly what we are doing and noticing just how often during the day our mind is somewhere other than where we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. In a way, it's hilarious when we see that, right? It's like, oh, here I am, you know, washing, the, brushing my teeth or washing the dishes or driving, you know, or whatever, even riding a bicycle, you know, and your mind is off somewhere else. You know, it's kind of remarkable when we think about driving or riding a bicycle that we don't hear about more <laughs> deaths than we do. But, you know, what is it like to just drive? What is it like to just brush one's teeth? What is it like to just wash the dishes? And as you make that sort of choice to really be present with what you're doing, <clears throat> you see how often the mind wanders off and you realize, oh, why wow, the mind has some... It's a poem called My Mind Has a Mind of Its Own, you know, that, mm. that you just kind of like are drawn, you know, the mind just takes off. And it's not like you decided that it's going to take off. It just does that, right? Yeah. And then, then there is a sort of uh, volitional choice to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons I think, I mean, one of the interesting things about the word uh, for mindfulness in Pali, which is sati, which literally means memory. Yeah. And that this is one of, I think there is a lot of that flavor of memory here is that we, during the day, we remember our practice, Mm. you know, and in remembering the practice, we become mindful because we say, ah, okay, let's remember this, this, you know, being present here, um, brings our mind back to, back to healthy sort of habits, uh, of, of practice and and awareness. Yeah. Which can be very useful. Yeah. And I should say in closing, one of the one of the habits, uh, routines, you know, I have like before I meditate is to have a coffee or two um, every morning. This is and and making the coffee is actually part of the process of the meditation. I mean, it's it's like one of those sort of so I've created a routine for myself, and y'all could help with that routine because you're able to buy us coffee <laughs> online uh, at diggingthedharma.com, uh, sure. and you know we we appreciate the support, but you know truthfully. You know, just sitting for a cup of coffee can be a very, a a type of meditation. And we can just in that moment see, we can have our coffee and be thinking about saving the world, or we can have our coffee and just have our coffee. Sure. Um, Or the tea tea and the tea ceremony. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So these are all aspects of practice. It's called buying me a coffee, but frankly, you can be buying us a tea if you prefer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. In any event, we appreciate your, your being with us today and hope this was helpful if you're, if you're trying to, uh, 
develop a habit and feel free to, to uh, send your comments to us at digginthedharma.com on, on, you know, how you support your meditation habit, what, what's helpful right. for you. And, uh, you know, know about your own practice. Yeah. And, and we'll share it with the, with our listeners. So, yeah. So, all right, friends, enjoy Thanks the rest of your week and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a comment on your local podcast directory. And check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can send us comments and even buy us a cup of coffee or two. Check Doug out at dougsdharma.com and john at johnaaron.net. Thanks again and see you next time.